No, I can't do it without laughing. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is funnier than even you saying it. I try to exaggerate it. Welcome back to the Shaking Out Scared podcast and to the first episode of 2022. Here with you as always, your host Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 2007 film Paranormal Activity directed by Oren Pelly. But before we get into that, how are you Vivi? New year, same demons. Mm. So anyway, I am just excited. It's a new year. I've resolved to not be any better than I was in previous years. I'm just going to be... How about you? My 30th birthday is coming up in March. We're going to get in superhero shape because we want to do superhero stuff. Yeah, we're going to go vigilante (laughs) justice on everybody. On my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm excited for the new year too, especially this weekend. We'll be joining the Flyover State of Fear podcast to talk about Child's Play. It was a pretty hard decision, but it came in the form of a dream that I had. That's how we make all decisions. Once it's released, we'll probably put some notes out there and share it so that you guys can check it out. I'm ready to talk about Child's Play. We haven't covered it yet on the pod, but I do want to get to it. Do you have any creepy content? I watched this Jeffrey Dahmer documentary. I think it's actually kind of named in poor taste. It's called Fresh Meat. Oh, yum. It was an interesting one. I wouldn't say it was the best documentary on him that I've ever seen. Granted, there's probably a million. What was interesting about this one, it seemed to be like primarily talked about through podcasters. So podcasters who are in the true crime scene, like Henry Zabrowski and Ben Kissel from last podcast on the left were on their commentary along with a few others that I didn't recognize, but... Oh, interesting. So they were considered the experts? Somewhat. They were, like, narrating, and then there was witnesses. This is the part that was cool, like, actual neighbors of Jeffrey Dahmer and their experience of meeting him, along with... Again, I thought this was an odd choice, but a way that he can be seen in other killers that are now, in more recent years, being active. I don't know if you know the case of Luca Magnata, the kid who, trigger warning, blended cats on YouTube. There was a whole documentary on him as well called don't fuck with cats. It was interesting to say the least. I guess worth checking out. But what about you? What have you watched? Nothing. I suck at this. No, you're just editing all the time. Yeah. What do you have for comfort content then? We both have the same thing because we just chose to watch animated films one night. But we watched Encanto and we watched Luca. We'll start with Encanto. Encanto was fun. What did you think? I loved it. The music is still stuck in my head. Love a good film about Latino generational trauma in the form of a kid's film. Just go watch it. It's just good. What'd you think about Luca? Luca was fun. That one takes place in Italy. It was a lot like The Little Mermaid, just modernized. The whole transition between water and... I'd like to learn more about that. Why do they become human and then... It's gotta be a lore, right? Like a siren lore? Is it that? Is that why... Oh. Oh, is that why when you see, suppose, sirens or mermaids in the water, the top half is human and the bottom half is fish? Oh. That would make sense. I like that. I thought it was just very cute. I don't want to say I liked Encanto more, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) I think it just touches us more in a specific way. Is that it? Is that all you got for comfort content? Yeah. You know, it was the holidays. I didn't really watch anything else. Are you ready for this drink? Yeah. Okay. I'm calling it the flames before bed. I was trying to think of something because the Ouija board burst into flames. The hues at night, it's kind of like a blue light. You said it was kind of green. I mean, it's hard to tell, I think, depending on which version you watch. For the video, we're going to light it on fire. I didn't light it on fire here because we have it just sitting on the table. But it consists of white rum, blue crackle, lemon juice. And then when you want to burst it into flames, <laughs> you use Everclear. So you could use Everclear or rum. 151. It's just got to be a high proof alcohol. Disclaimer though, this drink does have an open flame, so be sure not to leave the fire on for too long or drink when the glass is too hot. Always be careful when lighting any drink on fire or just don't do 
it if you know that you can't be careful. Which is why I don't like drinks on fire. I let Eric do it. I'm going to buy a blowtorch so I could start blowtorching drinks. Not even ones that need to be blowtorched. You're just, just going to light them all on fire. Mmm. <laughs> 90% alcohol. Did you put Everclear in this? No. Okay. No, I left the Everclear out for the tasting. This drink has a lot of rum. Like, a lot. I just taste rum. And like a hint of lemon and blue corn. Really? I taste like all lemon and a hint of rum. I didn't get you a glass big enough and it's possible that there's more rum in that half and more lime in the other. I already feel drunk. So what do you rate it? <laughs> I'm going to give it a two out of five because I just get straight alcohol taste. Wow. That's not at all what I expected. It's really sour and really sweet. And I taste no alcohol. You know it tastes fine? Yeah, because it sounds like we have different drinks. Now I don't know. I just have rum in my mouth. I taste no rum. I, I don't know what's happening. Do you, do you have alcohol? No, I definitely taste the alcohol. <laughs> what do you rate it? Well, it's definitely not my vibe, and I taste no alcohol. It's really high in the sweet and sour category, so I'm going to give it a 1.5. Damn, okay, because I wanted to give it a 1.5, but I felt mean doing that to your drink. Oh, no, no. Hey, total disclaimer to listeners and ourselves. We test these drinks on the show, so we don't necessarily know if they're going to taste good. It's okay to have a bad review. <laughs> yeah, I think one time we had a drink that just tasted awful, and we decided just to scrap it for Instagram and posted another drink because it was just so bad. Let us know what you think of all our drinks if you've tried them. Yeah, again... Always so surprised that people try our drinks and tell us that they like them. Yeah. Anyway, Flames Before Bed. This will put you in bed. It will knock you the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got two ounces of rum. Jesus. Okay. Are you ready for fun facts to distract from this alcohol? Hit me with them. <laughs> okay. Which one should I should start with? Paranormal activity. I was going to keep doing like... Weird noises. Gotcha. That's the whole movie. That's it. We're done. <laughs> okay. So the film was shot over the course of 10 days. Katie Featherston and Micah Slot. Slot? Slot. Slut. 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 And Micah Slut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> well, he was kind of a slut through this whole movie. Slut for chaos. Honestly. Fucking hate Mika. So much. And Micah Slot were each paid only $500 for their roles in this movie. I mean, 10 days, 500 bucks, that's still too little extra. That is very little. <laughs> yeah. That is almost no monies. The film was completely shot in Pelly's own San Diego home and cost a total of 15000 to make, with Pelly handling all the directing, editing, and co-producing. So I think we're about to see one of those found footage films. That obviously makes millions of dollars. The film made its way around the festival circuit for about two years before being bought by DreamWorks slash Paramount for $350,000. They wanted to reshoot the entire film with more well-known actors, but Pelly convinced them to do a small release of the film, and audiences found the film terrifying. Two months later, the film got a full U.S. release, and it went on to make $107 million in the United States alone. That's Jesus. not including worldwide release. We've seen this with all these very low budget horror movies that become like the highest grossing movies because their budget is so tiny. There's nowhere to go but up. I think that's why it's so gross to see so many sequels made. These projects that are so small, they're impactful for the same reason that it's like they were just out here trying to do something. It makes these huge production companies so much money that they're like, make us another one. And it starts to kind of dilute itself. It's, it's just stupid. a money making machine at that point. Just it's thinking. a money making machine, but God damn it, I'm there giving them my money. <laughs> the film was actually so successful. It's 
spun a remake, but it was called Paranormal Activity 2 in Japan. We should check that out. I've never heard of this. I believe it's almost the exact film. It's just called Paranormal Activity 2. It has nothing to do with the next one in the franchise. Okay, let's talk about the three endings. So when we first watched it, you brought up that you remember there was multiple endings. I remember only seeing one ending. The original was the one that you said you remember the most, which is the one with Katie having killed Micah, going back up to the room, being in the fetal position for a while, and then the cops come in and eventually shoot her. A while? It was like two days. It was like a day and a half that she was just there. Now, the ending that was released theatrically was the one that we saw last night. Really? That sucks. And it's the one that I remember. There's another ending where, once again, Katie kills Micah, makes her way back up to the bedroom, and just slits her own throat in front of the camera. Again, I saw the one where she hovers over Micah's body and then attacks the camera, which I think works for the rest of the franchise because it's like she's missing, you don't know where she is, and we explore the family story in the later ones. I thought it was hilarious to imagine filming the shot of her throwing herself at the camera. Sure, it's scary when you're the viewer, but imagine filming that. It's just like you, you just run throw at the yourself camera. at the camera. Yeah. Zach Baggins Zach style. Baggins it, yep. yeah. I think in the sequel, Katie shows up to take their baby or some shit. The second one is her sister and Katie shows up at the end to take the baby. The yeah. third one is the one explaining what happens to them when they were young girls. Okay. I remember there being one where it was like a neighbor or something. But that I don't know. might There's be so many four or five. Seven just came out this last year. Milk a cow, if you will. Just keep it going. Milk your money cow. There is even rumors of there being a fourth never filmed. This was just a concept ending. But it would have been Katie possessed attacking Micah with the camera bludgeoning him to death and you would just get the shots of the camera attacking him over and over again which I also think would have been a pretty cool ending but yeah those are my fun facts we will discuss which ending we like better I love it I think I have to do a speed run now I'm not ready I haven't done one in like a month you got this no I don't I believe in you let me take a sip of my drink ready no go okay we get introduced to this couple it is Micah and Katie Katie has had weird stuff happen to her her entire fucking life and uh, Micah just wants to capture it on camera because he's seen a couple of these things but he kind of still doesn't believe her anyway they get the camera and they're messing around with it and recording like really weird things that are happening uh katie calls in a psychic and micah's a douche that just keeps making fun of the psychic but right after that he does the exact opposite of what the psychic says and starts taunting this thing and making it worse and worse and worse and worse every night something weird happens around like 3 a.m um Doors closing and opening, footsteps crashing, things moving around. Every night, something weird. Katie wakes up sleepwalking a couple of times. So eventually, one night, Katie senses that things are just, like, really bad because Micah keeps messing with Ouija boards and shit. And uh, she is trying to leave and tell him that something bad is going to happen. But that night, she gets possessed because she's bitten by the demon that's been chasing her her entire fucking life. And then (laughs) um, that night, she attacks Micah and kills him. And that's it. That's all you see. Did I go over? (laughs) No. I was worried, actually. But you finished at 56 seconds. Oh, great job. Do you have an overview for me? After moving into a suburban home, a couple becomes increasingly disturbed by a nightly demonic presence. What's the rating? 6.3. Not bad for horror. No. I mean, for $107 million, though, that's pretty low. Yeah, I guess so. Before we get into the movie, I want to ask you, what did you think about it? What was your reaction to it? I think I was spooked because I watched alone and in the dark on my laptop, literally in front of my face and with headphones in. So, yeah, I would say I was spooked. 
spooked. I was definitely ready to find out more. But then I also was like, alternate endings? How does it continue? Katie's dead. What do you mean? Yeah, I went into this whole spiral. Just of research. Yeah. I think that's the brilliant part of keeping actors who were not known. It's like the similar effect that Blair Witch had where people actually thought that these actors were dead and had to come out and say that they were fine. So I think if they would have remade it with like well-known actors, I don't think it would have been as successful as it was. I just remember 2009, these trailers for the movie, another thing that I thought was like really smart on their part, they didn't show anything about this movie. I remember the trailers being audience reactions in night vision and they were jumping out of their seat and they were like looking at the screen like it was the worst thing they've ever seen and I was like, I want to watch this movie. To be fair, I saw that though and I was like, other than one or two parts of the film, there's not really like a lot of jump scaring. We disagreed on this part. We try not to talk about the movie beforehand but I think this movie does a really good job of building tension. Like a real demonic possession. Things escalate little by little and you're kind of like in the beginning, oh yes. It could just be noises in the house and then suddenly shit hits the fan. The commercials were pretty great. It made you want to go check it out what the fuck people are screaming about and I feel like movies following that tried to do the same thing and it didn't really work out. Once you do it once. The novelty wears off. I feel like this movie had like a chokehold on horror for a while because it really was all that people could talk about. Do you want to get into it then? Yeah, I'm ready to talk shit about Mika. That's all this is going to be. I hate him so much. This is a Mika hate podcast. Fucking idiot. Just the worst type of person. Douche. No common sense. Have an ass boy. We start with a title card that introduces the information that Mika Slut, Slut, <laughs> I don't know how to say his last name, and Katie Featherston's families gave them permission to show this film along with the San Diego Police Department. We get another title card that lets us know that it is September 18th, 2006. The guy that we find out to be Mika is messing around with a pretty big camera. Carrying it around with the tripod all the time. Pretty professional looking. He's really proud about his camera. Katie shows up in her real nice car and she's like, what do you got there? They're living the lavish California life. I have an issue with this because later on we find out that Katie's just a student and Micah's like bouncing around from job to job every day. No, they said he's a day trader. What's that? Basically, you just go on different exchanges and just do day trading on the stock market. I know people who have lost their jobs during the pandemic and are making the same amount of money that they were getting when they were working day trading. That makes more sense to me because I was about to be like, how did these two people afford a home in California? Katie gets home. We kind of get a little bit of dialogue about how something is happening around the house. They are just trying to capture it on film. Mika keeps talking about how they're going to take care of it. And I hate Mika for this fucking phrase because he repeats it so many times during this film. And I'm like, dude, what are you figuring out? None of your plans to take care of it actually include taking care of it. It's all just catching it on camera. It's very odd because he says it's probably just the neighbor kids stalking you, messing with you or something like that. Katie mentions, unless they've been doing that since I was eight years old, it is not the neighbor kids. Mika's attitude towards Katie being kind of like nervous about it is pretty inconsiderate, I think, for him. I think you'd be mad as fuck at me if I was being like playful with your trauma. It's very weird. It's not playful. It is like an eagerness to provoke it and to catch it's something that really didn't have anything to do with him and then he made it about him. Because he thinks it's a joke. Thinking it's a joke, but then he's clearly seen that it's not a joke, okay? That doesn't make sense to me. The moment this all became real, even if you thought it was a joke and you're a douche, you'd be like, oh shit, my girlfriend's not insane. You can't be the role of the skeptic husband boyfriend that never believes the woman, but then provoke it, catch it on camera, and then still be like, nah, it's not that bad. Going in line with the alternate endings when he says, well, 
take care of it and makes like a cutting your neck motion with the knife in his hand. A lot of people had said it was foreshadowing for the Katie cutting her own neck ending. I could see that. The rest of the night is just them pretty much messing with this camera. They're doing a couple audio tests. Katie is clearly on edge. She thinks she hears something that night and when Mika goes to check it, it just ends up being the ice maker in the fridge. When we moved in here, that shit used to be scary as fuck. This fridge was making so much noise at home. We're not talking like little knocks here and there. We're talking about loud ass bangs. It was like gunshots. My parents have an ice maker and it makes those loud noises. We don't have an ice maker here for it to be making those loud noises. It's Toby. I just put him to sleep before he moved in. Listen, at least you're not Micah. But we get immediately into the footage of the first night. It's 2.08 a.m. You hear steps and the keys dropping. Next morning, Katie finds the keys in the middle of the floor and she's like, hey, what the hell? Mika's like, what do you mean? You probably dropped them. And she's like, no, I usually put my keys by your wallet on the counter. How the hell did they end up in the middle of the kitchen on the floor? And he's like, ah, whatever. I don't know. I like this next scene because Katie vlogs in the mirror, like early YouTube. She's like, today's a big day. The psychic is coming in and we're going to talk to him. I'm going to go ask Mika what he thinks about it. Immediately, Mika is making fun of the situation and saying he's going to play this creepy song as soon as the psychic walks through the door. He's like, do you think he'll feel more in his element if we play this music? Katie's (laughs) like, do not do that. Do you think that because this guy's a psychic that he can give me like stock tips? Dr. Fredericks is late. He's like, you'd think that because he's a psychic, he'd know there's traffic. So he keeps just like teasing Katie. Dr. Fredericks finally shows up. He's like, how long have you been a couple? How's the home? Are you guys happy together? Is there any stress? High stress situations can often make you believe that things are happening that aren't actually happening. He also cites that old houses make a lot of noise. If they just moved in there, it could be something like that. He does the thing of trying to rule out that it's an actual haunting. Isn't that what every supposed psychic and demonologist is supposed to do when they visit? I definitely feel like we've seen it in other movies, like The Exorcist and even The Conjuring, where they go to a place that's not haunted and discredit it. I'm sure this is a result of people taking advantage, one, or maybe not being familiar with actual mental health issues in history. So many things. Yeah. This is where we get Katie's backstory as to why she believes an entity is in the house now. She talks about her experience as a kid, that her and her sister used to share a room, and they would always hear weird whispering and see a shadow figure standing at the end of Katie's bed. It was never standing at the end of her sister's bed, but her sister would also see it. Eventually, things kept happening and escalating and getting so weird that the house caught fire. She says the fire has nothing to do with the entity, but they'd lost everything in this fire. She also says that the firefighters never found out why it happened or what started the fire. Dr. Fredericks is like, well, are you assuming that the figure that you were seeing was doing it? And she's like, well, no, I just, I really don't know. There's no known source for why the fire started. The way that she describes this shadowy figure, it's almost like sleep paralysis where she's like, I couldn't move. I was frozen in place. I would see this figure that was shadowy. Maybe in Dr. Fredericks' perspective, it's like, oh, well, maybe she was experiencing this thing. I think because her sister saw it, it's not sleep paralysis because sleep paralysis, only you see the figures. I don't know. When I experienced sleep paralysis myself, he opened my door. My roommate was also like moving around and like, because it's a dreamlike state, reality and non-reality, I guess, fuse. So it's possible that this could have been her imagining her sister seeing the figure. Possibly. Unless they talked about it afterwards, that would be the, okay, you actually saw that too? Okay, we have a problem. Right. I think we're thinking this though, because we've seen the sequels, right? We have that issue. You see the sequel, so you just have this other underlying perspective. But think about it just like this story alone. I think the sleep paralysis part is valid. Speaking of the sequels, the name of the demon is never mentioned in this first one. I know, I keep saying Toby. (laughs) Which I don't think you discovered till the second or third. The psychic quickly comes to the realization that the spirit is connected to her. That it doesn't matter where she moves, the spirit always finds a way to get back to her. That 
that first incident happened when they were eight years old. And after that, it always would happen periodically. She takes a psychic on a tour of the house and explains lights are going on and off. There is a lot of activity going on in their bedroom and that she hears whispering at night. She often hears it call her name. Mika consistently says how much he doesn't believe Katie. Earlier in the film, Katie had asked Mika, like, you believe me, right? And he's like, yeah, of course, of course I do. But clearly Mika doesn't believe anything. Katie is telling Dr. Frederick her tapping, her whispering. Mika's like, well, I haven't heard shit. It could just be me. I think in response to that, the psychic says, you know, these things feed off negative energy. Like, dude, your vibe is just like way off. You need to like tone it down. He's the demon. He's the negative energy. Dr. Fredericks immediately is like, you know what? I think we're dealing with something that's not ghosts. I'm more of a paranormal investigator. This entity seems to be following you, Katie. I can put you in contact with my colleague. His name is Johan Averys. He's a demonologist. Give him a call. He can probably come check it out. We never see Johan Averys. I think at a later point they try to call him and they just get like the voicemail or whatever. Which is upsetting because after the psychic leaves, Katie immediately wants to call him and says she's going to, but Mika talks her out of it, saying, let's not call him until things get bad. He also says, no, we don't need a demonologist. Let's just contact it, ask it what it wants. We'll give it what it wants and then it'll leave us alone. Bro, what the fuck do you even mean, bro? The psychic literally said not to do that. Oh, it's possibly a demon. You're thought immediately shouldn't be like oh you know what we should check it out talk to it negotiate some things when has any story involving the devil demons ended well i'm sorry but what in the white people nonsense is it that they just want to pull out a ouija board immediately and talk to it yeah don't fuck? do that he might as well put his middle finger up to katie and be like you know what fuck you and your whole past what's with this alpha male bullshit where someone who's literally an expert in the supernatural he's like no nah, i'm not gonna listen to you i'm gonna do it anyway i don't get it to be honest i've been like let's check it out I do it as a skeptic. I don't think anything will actually happen. But you know how they say that, like, if you believe it, it'll happen. And if you don't That's believe it, it won't. That's why we don't do it. Yeah, I know. You tell me don't. And I'm like, well, because you're here. Some shit could happen. I hate Ouija boards, but I literally have a planchette tattooed onto my leg. <laughs> she hates Ouija boards and we have a literal Ouija board doormat. Yeah, I just put my planchette leg over it and just roam around. <laughs> the <gasps> I shouldn't walk on that. The <laughs> demons are in hell like, what the fuck is she trying to tell us? <laughs> Check out this TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending TikToks. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, this is all she does all day. <laughs> right after this, like, emotionally charged night, Mika is trying to get Katie to do it with him on camera. He does the douchebag thing of trying to lie to her and say that it's not on. And she's like, no, I know when that thing is on. That is not okay. You should make it consensual where you agree to do this, not try to trick someone into it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just a scene that continues to show what an asshole he is. I had actually thought that they were married. Katie's dealing with this douchebaggery and a demon i mean i'd be like yo demon let's talk this guy clearly wants to talk with you so can you like fuck him up and not me i think that's what ends up happening yeah but just keep me uninvolved keep me out of this take care of that guy and we'll all be happy here this is the third night it's september 20th it's 208 a.m the floor is creaking the door closes slowly and then slowly opens they wake up they check the footage and they're like what the fuck but they kind of go on with their day mika's playing the guitar he has the camera on himself suddenly you hear katie scream like the douchebag he is Mika's like oh my god what is wrong tries to run away and is like oh wait hold up let me get the camera runs back to get the camera then goes to help Katie she's scared by a spider but she's like did you go run back to get the camera first and he's like what no no I didn't he's literally holding the camera he's like oh no 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 I just thought I would catch something if it was something important that we need to get on film so yes. <laughs> and at this point, it has been like slightly creepy things. It hasn't been anything that I would call concrete evidence. I mean, the door opening and closing, I'd already be suspicious. I'd be like, 
what is that? The windows are closed. There's no draft. There's no draft. I think it's really odd that they sleep with the door open in the first place. I think so too. But I think that the reason they do it is because he's like, well, I got to get camera footage of the hallway if something is coming mm. into the room. I don't like it. I'd at least be like, look, let me move the bed to the opposite end of the room so that if something is entering, it's we're not, not right next to us. Yeah, because later Katie's sleeping with her face off the edge of the bed. And I'm like, dude, I'd be so fucking freaked out. Mika also sleeps on the opposite end. Like like a bitch. Yeah, why do I sleep on this side, babe? Because it's the closest to the door and you have better reactions. Yeah, I'm not going to hide behind you. Side note, we're recording from our room today. Nothing to do with the movie, but Eric's got a project going on in our usual office that's noisy. So I'm 3D printing. We're just really on bread. We're recording from our room. Yeah. After the spider situation, we get a scene of Mika just taunting the quote unquote ghost. I think he calls it a ghost, even though the psychic has clarified to him that it is definitely not a ghost. Grabbing the door open and closed and he's like what does this mean what was your point basically saying like come at me to the demon later that night he's researching demons in bed a cozy nice activity i mean i do that all the time you don't do that every day i just don't taunt them because i'm not an idiot i send them tiktoks yes <laughs> i taunt them with my google searches do demons like tiktoks exactly <laughs> do demons like my wife oh no okay they won't possess her it's fine is that offensive to people who are demons being don't even want to possess you <laughs> not even demons want you <laughs> I do. I did start off saying by New Year, same demons. I meant mental demons, but you know, it works. In his research, he finds there are demons that can stalk people for decades. But Katie is not amused and wants him to stop filming and to stop researching these things. She's like, you don't want to make it mad. And Mika's like, how am I not supposed to start to look into this and want to find out more? You didn't tell me that this was a thing when we first started dating. And she's like, what was I supposed to do? Go to the first date and be like, look, I have a demon that follows me since I was eight years old. And he's like, well, you could have mentioned it on the 30th date but i argue this is something that no one will believe you on until they experience it with you which he has and still doesn't believe her yeah i mean she can absolutely tell him you should you really should if they believe you it's on them but it's just one of those things where his argument doesn't really have anything to do with what she's saying he's just throwing it in her face that she didn't mention this to him beforehand so it's her fault that's happening the true haunting is katie and her abusive relationship all right so that night it's the fifth night it's 250 5 a.m. There's just a humming. Katie wakes up suddenly, gasping for air. And Mika wakes up. She's like, I had a nightmare. I don't know what happened. Suddenly, there's a super loud thud. They grab the camera, go downstairs. They're like, is anyone there? You know, you would assume that someone maybe like broke into your house. They walk around the whole house. They turn all the lights on. They find nothing. Katie's creeped the fuck out. It's the next day. More reason to believe Katie, but Mika is still not with it. This is super creepy to me. You're already unsettled from like a nightmare and then a giant thud happens in the house. I wouldn't even know how to sleep. But this is one of those nights where things start to get a little more intense. It's the next day and Katie's friend visits. He pulls the camera audio, puts it into, it looks like audacity, shows the friends and he's like, I think it wants to communicate. And he'd be like, bitch, no, stop. That's exactly the opposite of what Dr. Fredericks has said. Honestly, this isn't even like a cautionary tale. This is just how how to be an idiot 101. It really is. You want to learn how to get possessed immediately and fucked up immediately by demons? Watch Paranormal Activity. Yeah. This has nothing to do with Katie. This is just how Mika can quickly get his house fucked up by demons. It really is. Because he interrupts girl time to just tell them that now he wants to get a Ouija board. She's like, promise me, please don't do that. The next scene is Mika once again antagonizing the demon right before they go to bed. Yeah, so he's like, you know, there hasn't been anything interesting in a while. Are you scared? I'm calling you out. You're worthless. 
notes, you're nothing. He's like talking a lot of shit to this demon. He is egging it on. At this point, it is night 13. At 3 a.m., Katie hears thumping, then a shriek and a crash. They get up to go investigate, and when they reach their living room, they can see that the light fixture is moving. Is it just supposed to be implied that the demon is landing? I thought about this because they don't ever really show this demon. It makes me think like, is this like the insidious demon that's just crawling on the walls and doing crazy stuff? Ugh, no, thank you. This one seems to just walk on foot because it goes up the stairs. When he puts the powder out later, you see footsteps. It so clearly doesn't do the wall thing. But yeah, this thud, this crash, there's no evidence of anything actually crashing. So is it this demon's like flying and it's like went shopping, came back home and it does all its shopping at 3 a.m.? I mean, don't you online? It's visiting all of its other possessed people. Yeah, you think you're the only people he's possessing? Okay, he's got a schedule. It's like Santa Claus, but for demons. He's very busy. They go back upstairs. Katie's like standing in the doorway. Mika's like by a coward camera. by the camera. I'd be like, baby, get the fuck away from the door. Yeah. I'd close the door. Call the cops. Hey, someone's potentially breaking into my house. I heard a crash. The chandelier was fucking moving. Even if Mika was a skeptic on the demon part, I think that generally you see this evidence of something moving in your house that you didn't do. No, I, I agree with you. Like the cops could see the footage if they don't believe you. I don't know. Calling the cops on the demon isn't going to do anything, but we need to find out who the fuck moved the chandelier. But the next morning, Katie and Mika are kind of having an argument. She's afraid, but Mika is clearly excited and calls whatever is happening cool. Katie's like, ever since you got the camera, this stuff has escalated. You've been taunting it. You've got the camera. You keep trying to catch it. It wants you to see it. And what do we get in the next scene? We find out that Mika has stepped up his demon hunting game and bought an EVP. Amazing. You're so cool, Mika. Electronic voice phenomenon. He is asking the demon questions, telling him to speak English this time. Not only is he a douche, he's a racist <laughs> against demons. Yeah, be inclusive, Mika. Do Learn not. another language, you monolingual fuck. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding, you can cut that. She's not kidding. Kidding, just kidding. Figure it out. Mika says, anyone here? Where are you from? Do you have something to say? Do you want to talk through the Ouija board? What is your quest? What's your favorite color? Are you single? Just asking. Asking for a friend. Exactly. So he plays the audio back. There is a growl after the, do you want to communicate through a Ouija board? In my notes, I put, okay, smiley face. Because Mika's like, okay. All you had to do was ask. I know we were like going in on Mika, but could you have made the character dumber? I do not remember his character being this stupid when I first watched it. Maybe it's almost a year's worth of watching horror movies, but this is what not to do with a demon 101. I mean, if you're tired of hearing us talk shit about Mika, you could stop listening here, but we're going to continue. not going to stop. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember hating his character that much. Actually, when I first watched this, I don't think I paid that close attention to the dialogue and what was actually happening. I was just focused on the creepy scenes that you saw at night. Didn't even give a fuck about the characters. <laughs> yes, when I first watched this in high school, that's all I cared about. But Commence the 15th night. It is a crisp 1.36 a.m. Katie sits up. She stands. She watches the bed until 3.30. So for, for three, two hours. Almost three hours. Yeah. One minute is too long for her to be doing this. Why is she standing there for two hours? And Look, why does he not notice? I used to sleepwalk as a kid, but I don't think that I was oh, doing no. this shit. What? That I Our children are going to sleepwalk. I don't even know, but I would just end up in random places and my family would just bring me back to bed. I think that's what you're supposed to do with a sleepwalker. However, she fucking leaves the room. Mika finally waking up and realizing that she's not there goes to look for her. He has to go outside because she has sleepwalked all the way to this swing in their backyard. He is talking to her and telling her that she needs to come inside, but she refuses. She says in this kind of trance-like dream state, she's afraid. She does not want to go back into the house. He does drop the do 
douchebaggery at the door of the house and is like, look, you want to be out here? It's cold. I'll join you. Let me go get some blankets. I feel like if I did this, you'd be like, okay. And then just pick, pick me up. up and bring me back inside. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a five foot person. Would you be more mad? If I'm in a sleepwalking trance, I probably don't know what's going on. But as he's making his way back inside, he hears footsteps upstairs. There's white noise coming from the TV. He's like, who the fuck is there? He's creeped out. Slowly approaches the doorway and he's like, come out. He goes into the room, quickly peeks in. There's nothing. When he turns around, Katie's standing in the doorway and she's like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Go back to sleep. Come back to bed. And she gets <laughs> into bed. And Mika is understandably confused and just over the whole situation. But still doesn't believe her. I think it's very odd if you've lived with a person for a while and they've never done this sleepwalking thing and they suddenly start doing it. I think you'd be like, hey, are you okay? Like mentally, what's going on? Because I think this is something that stress can trigger. Yeah, you can chalk it up to that and you can be like, oh, hey, Katie, like I know I've been a douche this whole time. No, he's not going to say that. No, I know. But a reasonable person, which Mika is not, would do that. It's the next morning. He shows her the footage. She doesn't remember a single thing and she's like, what the fuck? She wants to get help. Mika's like, no, that makes things worse. Okay, Mika, clearly you know what you're doing. Clearly, clearly. you know what you're talking about. It's very upsetting that she just doesn't remember anything. But I think if you sleepwalk, that's normal. You're not going to remember while you were asleep. It's the standing for two hours by the bed watching Mika sleep. Yeah, that's very eerie. I would like to think that if someone was watching you sleep, you'd know. Because that ain't sleepwalking, right? That's sleep stand. Like, how are you even sleeping? You're <laughs> literally just standing there. Semantics. I'm just saying, I don't know how sleepwalking works. If it literally is the act of walking. Two hours sleepwalking, is that a thing? I do not know how long it lasts. Katie really wants to just call the demonologist and he claims that bringing in an exorcist would just make it worse. He specifically says an exorcist. And I'm like, dude, what horror movies have you not been watching? Because they often take care of the problem. <laughs> and die doing it. Sad face. I mean, but they take care of your problem. Not if they're Ed and Lorraine. They'll just be super romantic with each other and the demon will be gone. That night, they're getting ready for the night out. Mika sets up a Ouija board, obviously against Katie's will. What are you doing? Katie is coming down excited. She's like, oh my God, I really need this night out. I want to get out of this house and I don't even want to think about anything. And then she sees that he has the Ouija board. And he's like, let's do this real quick before we leave. We have like 10 minutes and she is pissed justifiably pissed. Okay, anyway. I just don't want to bore the listener with the We get it. You Mika. hate Mika. Yeah. Watch the movie. Hate Mika yourself. I don't think that if you're a reasonable person, you'll ever look at Mika and be like, no, he's a great guy. What do you mean? Why he you did guys, everything you could. You guys went so hard on him. He's not even that bad. No, he's trash. Okay. And if you think he's not, you should figure that out. <laughs> I just wanted to point out that at this point, I was having the hardest time trying to remember how you spell Ouija board. And I literally, like my notes for the podcast is a Ouija board notebook. And it says Ouija at the bottom of the page. She says after saying that she doesn't want me to buy a Ouija board. I am fine with Ouija board. Paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. <laughs> Tattoos. Don't actually do it. Did you catch when he said cursor instead of planchette? That just goes to show you that you shouldn't have one. You don't even know what you're talking about. Don't even know what you're talking about. But Katie pissed gets him to leave without messing with the Ouija board. He leaves the camera on, however. We see this very odd, strong gust of wind happening in the house. The plants in the living room are moving. The curtains are moving. And then the planchette starts to move on the board. It catches fire. What I thought was interesting 
interesting though is that when they come back later, there's no fire damage on the board. It looks like it traced something on the board, but you'd think that the fire would do something. It looks like glass too. It's reflective. Yes. Obviously, when you're writing messages from the fire of hell, it's going to be on your Ouija board. These bars are lit. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but once they return home at a respectable 11 o'clock at night, tell me you're old without telling me you're old. I think we paused the movie at this point and you were like, so did they just leave? And I was like, no, no, I think they're getting home. <laughs> <laughs> but Mika picks up the board and it looks like there is a drawing on it. He is trying to show Katie, but Katie is so done. She's clearly pissed. There's no way that he can misinterpret that she's mad. She's cussing at him. The whole time she's been real cute with him and is like, okay, fuck you, Mika. I guess whatever. You know real what I mean? Cute. She has hasn't reacted to him the way that someone who is actually like traumatically experiencing this stuff should react I think to someone who is like completely disregarding your feelings for this this is the first time we see Katie actually be like fuck you Mika fuck you I don't give a fuck about anything that you've been doing this whole time fuck the cameras fuck you fuck the Ouija board fuck your shoes fuck this night out fuck everything I think you hit the nail on the head saying that she has been super polite about the situation probably repressing her feelings about things that have happened to her as a child to her partner she's trying to understand understand him this is new to him but he is not returning this kind of understanding to her at all mika still in the midst of that is like do you want to help me figure out what this message means though and she's like fuck you and your ouija board the fuck out the only appropriate response she gets so mad that she kicks him out of the bedroom they have an argument that takes place off camera when the cameras are turned back on it's clear that katie has made mika record himself saying that he's basically not gonna be a dick anymore that he's gonna respect the entity he's gonna respect katie's feelings but as he's saying this you can feel how insincere he is he turns to her and is like are you happy now and she's satisfied enough that they just go to bed for the night the next day he is still insisting that they figure out what the ouija board has said the next scene is katie then venting to her friend mika is trying to figure out the message using the footage trying to follow the ouija board movements he's kind of like highlighted or circled some letters and has a notebook full of potential messages and he's like do you know a diane a dana a danish and she's like no fuck you i don't care what the fuck it means get it out of my house her friend is like yo if this is actually happening being a good friend you should come over and stay with me she's like no it follows me no matter where mm -hmm. i go mika's like i have a plan i'm gonna figure this out i'm gonna take care of it the friend's like what are you gonna do mika you fucking idiot the friend's also done with him oftentimes your friends can see things that you cannot if they are true good friends that's all I will say about that. So immediately after, Katie's like, what's the plan? And he's like, powder. I'm gonna put baby powder everywhere. We're going to catch this thing. We're going to take care of it. Pisses me off so much. Again, what do you mean? What, what does putting baby do? powder and catching its footprints do to take care of it? What are we taking care of? Your ego? Seriously. Katie does agree to this. She says, I will let you try this one thing. But afterwards, I am calling the demonologist. Kind of just humoring him at this point. And he's still arguing against calling him. She's agreed to do this dumb plan. And he's still saying, no, we won't call anyone. This is going to work. He puts the powder on the floor and she's like so what does this prove and he's like i'm solving the problem okay this is my house this is my girlfriend no one fucks with us okay and the powder does what though what is powder gonna do <laughs> it's 315 though you hear footsteps mika shoots up because he's trying to catch the footsteps as they're being made into the room katie also joins mika in seeing like what the fuck is happening because they see the footsteps with the powder enter the room mika in one instance of being intelligent is like the footsteps only enter the room but they don't 
leave. That thought alone is scary as fuck. I would run out that room. Yeah, but they don't do that. Katie's like, let's go. But Mika follows the footsteps and they lead to the attic. The panel is slightly open and Katie is freaking out. Mika's not as freaked out. He wants to continue to investigate. Katie says, do not go up there. And I agree with her. But Mika doesn't listen. He climbs his way up there with the camera and records around the attic until using the zoom of the camera, he can see a weird object that he's never seen before. He drops the camera down to Katie and goes to retrieve it. He comes back down holding a photo that looks to have been half burned. It's the image of a little girl. Katie sees the photo and is like, how the fuck is this here? She freaks out. We learn that it is a photo of her when she was a child standing in front of the home that she had that burned down. She's like, this shouldn't exist. This had to have burned down with our old house. The notion of a demon keeping a childhood picture of you is horrifying. The more horrifying moment is when Katie says, where did you find the photo? And Mika says, it was over our bed. (laughs) So the demon hides in the attic and obsesses over Katie above their bedroom. That's insane. That fact alone is scary. This demon is in love with you. Kind (laughs) of. In the creepy stalker way. The next morning, Mika lightens up the footage and shows Katie. You can see the demon taking each step with the powder on its foot. I don't Katie's like, we need to call Dr. Avery's. It's just gotten worse. And Mika's like, no, I've got it under control. We're making good progress. She finally snaps in the best scene of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Giving him all the common sense, he's lost. Some cold, hard truths. Straight up says, you have done nothing. Absolutely freaking nothing but make things worse. You are not in control of this situation. You are pissing this thing off. Mika says some bullshit about, how do you know? If I was Katie, I'd be like, bitch, this demon has been following me around for years. You're new here. You've (laughs) barely seen this for a couple of weeks. It has never been this bad until you came into the picture. Yeah, the demons in the background like, you don't even go here. (laughs) (laughs) You're not even part of this relationship, dude. I'm gonna take care of you in a couple days. Don't worry about it. But, oh, this is the scene where, like, she finally tells him the truth and it's like, yes, he's the worst. She's like, you're powerful. Powerless. The demon is listening right now. He tries to bring up the powder thing. And she's like, you don't think it wanted you to see that? If it wanted to avoid the powder, it would have. Like, you and your stupid little powder isn't doing anything. Yeah, and the powder that was supposed to take care of it. The fuck you talking about, Mika? This isn't La Llorona, where you just <laughs> spray some tahine everywhere and it's gonna <laughs> fix your fucking problems, For dude, real? okay? The demon would have been like, this is too spicy. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> flour, I could deal with flour. The fire, when you were eight years old, I could deal with that. But this Tahin. But some tahin, mm-mm, too mm-mm. spicy. That's not mad luxurious. And we ain't fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Katie, but this is too this, much. This is too much. We're ridiculous. <laughs> It's the 18th night. It's 3.53. You hear steps. The lights turn on in that bedroom in the back. Mika starts to get up because I think he hears the noise. The lights turn off and you start to hear the running steps and the door fucking slams shut. I hate this so much. If I heard someone running up my stairs, like, I think my heart would sink to my butthole and I would just (laughs) die. (laughs) It's just like, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah, hearing somebody run. Mika like grabs the doorknob and like yanks it open to see if anyone's there. Dude, if someone was trying to kill you, you'd be dead immediately. He confronts it and it's just been banging on the door. Then the banging continues around the house. Katie wakes up. Mika continues to taunt it. Like, dude, I wouldn't taunt anything. You don't even know what's happening. You clearly have just seen a lot of shit that doesn't make sense. Why continue to be a skeptic? At this point, you shouldn't be. No, I mean, this could be a person. Like, he didn't make it up fast enough before the door closed to even know if it was a person who did it. I would argue at this point he is no longer a skeptic. You don't buy a Ouija board. You don't get EVP stuff unless you genuinely think something's going on here. It's the lack of knowing he should get help that makes me think he's just having too much fun with it. Let me tell you when I would have been like, nope, and out of here. The night I wake up screaming from a nightmare and there's a giant thud in the house. We sleep in a church. I don't care anymore. (laughs) That's my limit. Clearly, I don't have a high limit for this, but I'm just not messing with it get across just the ouija board catching fire and you having it on camera i would no longer be staying there oh no we're going to a priest immediately yeah after mika opens the door quickly they leave the bedroom they're looking around the house katie's like no we can't go back to the bedroom mika's like what why not let's go you hear door creaking you hear humming you hear noises that are like what is going on what's happening next mika is like i think we should go upstairs katie's like no i don't want to go upstairs we gotta go I want to leave this. Nico's like, no, we should go back up. Eventually, he convinces her and they just hold up in the bed for the rest of the night. The next day, we see Katie sitting in the living room. She's wrapped in a blanket and she's visibly affected by the nights of not being able to sleep. She just wants to leave the house. They're eating food in the kitchen. In an awkward silence. And a sudden loud bang. It is the middle of the day. They run upstairs. And discover that a photo of the both of them has been ruined. Specifically, though, smashed on Mika's face. No, duh, Mika. The demon is tired of your shit. Right. Who wouldn't be? (laughs) Human or demon? They're tired of your shit. The demon's actually looking out for Katie because the demon's like, yo, you've lived this long and you ended up with this piece of shit. Mm. 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 I'm actually not even a demon. <laughs> Mere guardian angel, and I'm saving you from this trash man. Just kidding, it's a demon. But not kidding, it's a guardian angel. <laughs> open to interpretation. Yeah. Katie freaks out. Once Mika notices the photo, Katie says that she feels that the demon is breathing on her. She's standing in the middle of the room, and her hair is fluttering. I hate this so yeah. much. They run back downstairs, though, and they're like, what the fuck? It's happening in the middle of the day? When has it ever happened in the middle of the day? It is the first time. You're not even safe during the day. Not knowing what else to do, they call the psychic again. Katie is pacing around the room, waiting for the psychic to come. He enters the house, finally, and says, damn, y'all fucked, and leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, that thing doesn't even want me here. No, it doesn't like that I'm here. Nope, I'm leaving. Sorry, guys. Uh, I mean, you should call my friend, but I mean, I'll do what I can. But I mean, it's, that's, uh, that's not my responsibility. <laughs> Gotta go. Yeah. Goodbye. Okay, thanks. Bye. He says that his presence is only upsetting the demon and that it would help them more for him to leave. Sounds like he's scared. <laughs> Katie is just distraught. The next scene is her just crying in bed and Mika is trying to comfort her. It's the 19th of night. It is 1.33 a.m. You're tapping. Sheets moving. Pounding. Oh, okay. I was like, is that parking? <laughs> it, the demon is parking. <laughs> 
it's parallel parking. Came and back it's from so shopping. hard. Yeah. The sheets rise multiple times. It's 3:04 a.m. and the lights turn on. There's tapping. You hear breathing and a growl. And the lights turn off again. Katie's face is near the edge of the bed, and she's immediately spooked. She's like, "He's right there at the edge of the bed." It's breathing on her face because her hair is like kind of moving. I don't know what he's gonna do, but he wakes up to investigate, and she just calls him back, saying that something's wrong. I feel like he's still here. I know we can't see him, but I feel like he's still in here. Ugh. I hate this so much. Yeah, it sucks. I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, demon, show yourself. Like, if you're so all-powerful, just show yourself. Like, dude, I obviously can't do anything against you. Just show yourself. It's the next day. They review the tape, and they see a shadow on the door right before she freaks out. She's just sitting in the room, and she says that she feels the demon is just looking at her in the middle of the day. And I feel like when you watch a ton of horror movies or study these things, we always think that demons come out at night night. I don't know why we think that demons respect the daylight hours. It's the whole light versus dark thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's our evolution and fearing the dark and what predators can come out in the dark, right? I had a side thought, actually. I was just like, do demons just not have other things to do? That they're just sitting around waiting for you? They're just watching you and they're just like, yeah, I'm here to mess with you, girl. Or they're nocturnal. I mean, I feel like they have jobs, you know? They're just like, oh, I've got like a list of people I need to go visit real quick to go mess with. I need to... It just happens that your turn was at night. She's like, I feel like it's watching me. It's like, well, I mean, is it though? I mean, it's got other people to bother. It's not that obsessed with you, Katie, okay? It's got other <laughs> people to go haunt. But her feeling that the demon is watching her during the day, she keeps telling Micah that she is convinced that the demon is about to act, that it's about to do something. However, Mika is not listening to her and tells her that he's been doing some internet research instead. He has found the story of this girl, Diane, who in the 60s... Diane, whose name matches the Ouija board message. Oh, I didn't even catch that. You didn't? Good catch, good catch. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think of that. He's like, yeah, this girl Diane in the 60s experienced the same thing. Kitty's like, what happened to her? He's like, well, I don't know. They had an exorcism. There's a lot of photos on the website. It's very 2007 website-esque. Oh my God, yes. It's that super plain text. Dark weird background. background. To be fair, I think our website kind of looks like this. We're trying to capture that <laughs> demon research. We got to put pictures of you being like, Bleh. asleep. Yeah. So there were these photos of her and she's like, oh, she's beautiful he's like maybe it jumped from her to you she's like well why would it jump from me and he's like well i don't know i can't really find a reason that doesn't seem to be a reason at all i feel like this was their way of trying to explain the lore of what's happening without actually giving any detail to what happened to her it's very ominous mika doesn't say that diane has died she's like how did she die they don't really answer that no he doesn't say anything it's just more ominous katie's trying to study she tells mika to get the fuck away she's like can i have like five minutes though of not talking about this he won't give her a minute's peace even though they deal with this constantly he's like why are you mad this is all your fault it's not mine awful thing to say like i can't even begin to tell you how upsetting this scene was well she turns around and looks at him and is like oh dude really like did she ask for this to happen to her no no one does and the next scene we get is her crying on the floor and him trying to apologize i don't buy his apology it's the 20th night it's 4 32 a.m katie is picked up and dragged out of the room screaming Mika wakes up and chases after her 
He is able to bring her back into the room, but Katie just wants to leave. Just does not want to stay in this house. They agreed to get a hotel for the night, but this would have me just... They still wait too long after this. I'm sorry. As soon as I was dragged out of that bed, no. When you see the footage, Mika's like, let her go and fighting with something that's invisible. Again, reason enough to leave the house immediately. Do they have parents? Do they have family? Do they have neighbors? I mean, go somewhere that is not here. Do they have Jesus? <laughs> After they kind of recollect themselves, he tries to get a shot of her back. Looks like it attacked her and left a mark on her back that he describes as being bite marks. And you can see like the mouth that bit her. I think the thing that is super unsettling about this is that the marks are very tiny, like sharp, like all its teeth are very sharp fangs. <laughs> I'm getting chills just <laughs> thinking about it. It's weird because the feet from earlier look big. So is it just like a giant body little head it's probably got like hooked feet and pointy teeth and little head this doesn't make it any less terrifying <laughs> i hate it the next thing we get is katie who looks like she's falling asleep and is holding a cross but she's bleeding from her hand that is holding it so mika's like what the fuck he puts the camera down grabs the cross and there's blood all over her leg and he tries to get her up it sounds like he also says like the car's ready to go let's get out of here yeah it's the point where they've finally decided to leave and she's in a very half asleep half awake state when he finally does notice all the blood from her hand and he tries to clean it up, she's delirious. She's not really responding to him or what has happened with her hand. Mika is frustrated with this and is like, fuck this shit, I'm done. Ugh, this scene. Yeah, he starts a fire in the fireplace and burns a cross for some fucking reason. Like He the burns the photo of her as a child and a cross. Like the cross is at fault here. But he doesn't burn the fucking Ouija board. Burn a cross, the only thing that could probably probably help you at this point yeah and he's like let's go katie doesn't want to also very strange that your girlfriend that you've known for three years has a cross if she is not indicated that she's religious in any way it's just suddenly now she has a cross well i was wondering where that came from but it's not explored enough to even speculate what it means is she just secretly devout i don't know after he burns all of these things and tries to get katie to leave with him to the hotel katie is appearing to be a little more in her senses. She says she doesn't want to leave anymore. Appearing more like she's in her senses? No, I was going to say the opposite. The way that Katie is acting is totally not in character. Because she's talking in a very like, it's going to be okay. No, no, I don't want to leave. No. It's just a very like sleepy way of talking when we know she's been sleep deprived the whole movie. No, I, I wouldn't trust this. Dude, no. Everything that's happened and you suddenly are like, no, 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 I think we should oh, stay. Absolutely. We're going to be okay. No. <laughs> No, you're delirious. We're leaving. I wouldn't listen to her. I'm just saying from the previous scene where she wasn't saying anything clutching the cross to now she's at least talking. I've I wouldn't listen to her, though. I've seen her stand watching me sleep for two hours in the middle of the night. She's suddenly delirious saying we got to stay. It's going to be OK. Saying it'll be better if they stay. And this scene is something that I did not notice the first time I watched this film. She has a final comment that says we'll be OK now. The audio changes to a very weird double voice it's like disembodied glitch. and she gives an evil smirk 
smiles creepily. Mika, you've been checking the footage for so long. You're not going to look at any of this that happened during the day when she was acting very strange. Clearly Mika's an idiot, so no faith. We have reached night 21. October 8th. It is 1.22 a.m. and you hear grunting. Katie wakes up very stiffly, Michael Myers style. Yeah, she does. She stands up. The blanket is pulled off of him. Oh, is that? I don't even notice that. Yeah, <laughs> it just falls off of him because everyone knows a blanket protects you from demons. They got to get rid of that. <laughs> she walks around the corner of the bed and stands by Mika just watching him for a few hours. It's 3.14 a.m. She leaves the room. Suddenly, she yells, Mika! He gets up and runs to go find her. But her scream is blood curdling. It almost doesn't sound human. It is like, again, that kind of double voice that happened earlier in the scene, but now in scream form. Yeah, it sounds like he says, what's going on? But it's like, what do you mean what's going on, bro? She's fucking screaming. But then he says, oh my god, and a sudden drop and a thud, and all the screaming is done. And for quite a long time, there is silence, and you hear footsteps thudding up the stairs. You are waiting for what feels like a very long time. You're not sure if it's the demon. Katie or Micah. Well, I think as a viewer, you're like, it's the demon. You see nothing once the steps end. Instead, we get Mika's body being thrown across the room into the camera. With a creature-like yell. Katie enters the room. It is apparent that she has blood on her clothes. Mika appears lifeless. The way his body was thrown and the way he landed doesn't seem like he's responsive at all. Katie slowly approaches his body, crouches down, and begins to sniff him. It looks like she is about to consume him in some sort of way when she notices the camera that has dropped down to the floor is eye level with her. Once again, she smirks, and we get this kind of distorted image. Her face looks a little bit warped, and she attacks the camera. Cut to black. We get this final title card that says Mika's body was discovered on October 11th, 2006. Three days later. Jesus Christ. And Katie's whereabouts remain unknown. Now, we talked about how there are two other endings to this. Eric, when you first watched the film, you said you saw the police. Yes. You saw this one with Katie attacking the camera with her face? This is the ending that I saw. Okay. I saw the extended version where after the sound stops, you hear the footsteps and Katie approaches the room. She sits by the bed, balls on the floor, and rocking back and forth for several hours, time passes. You hear the phone ring. It's her friend who is like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on? The message ends and Katie is still rocking back and forth. More time passes. You hear a knock at the door. Someone enters and it's her friend. And you hear her saying, Katie, what's going on? I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you here? Are you home? You hear her suddenly scream. You assume she's encountered Mika's body. You hear her run out the front door. Katie continues to rock. More time passes. The cops show up. There's knocking at the door. They enter. You hear them saying, hey, we're here. It's the police. You hear them run into Mika's body. They're like, there's a victim. You hear radio chatter. Creepily, when the cops are already in the house, there is the light in the back room turning on. Cops are saying things and turning off. So the demon is there. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to head out. They start to make their way upstairs. They start to approach the room. They're like, is anyone home? Where the police were armed. We have our guns drawn. They see Katie. Katie seems to snap out of it and flashes the knife that you assume she used to kill Mika. She's covered in blood. She's approaching the cops. She's like, what's going on? Wait, wait, what's happening? Completely confused. She approaches the cops. The cops are like, drop your weapon. They shoot at her and her 
her body drops right outside the bedroom. That's the ending that I saw. And the third ending, which I think we touched on briefly, very similar to the first. It's clear that Katie has killed Mika, eventually makes her way back to the bedroom in front of the camera, pulls out the knife and slits her own throat. Now, we've said which endings we saw originally. Which one do you prefer? I like the one that I saw because it's creepier that she's sitting there rocking back and forth for several days in this catatonic state. It's interesting to see kind of the after effect of how people would discover that this happened in this home. And I think that's what makes it creepier. I think it's kind of like a typical ending to have her sniff the body and just approach the camera. That's like boring. We see that all the time. Okay, so I disagree. (laughs) I guess whatever ending you saw is going to be the one that you're partial to, right? And I saw the one that we saw last night. The one where she throws Mika's body to the camera, is about to what looks like devour it, and then smirks at the camera. To me, it does not make any fucking sense that this demon has been stalking her for 20 years just to let her get killed by the cops. What is the payoff in that? Like, it just wants to kill her asshole boyfriend? Isn't the whole point is that the demons mess with you? Isn't it just like, we want your soul and that's it? Wouldn't having the cops kill her be like, well, now she's mine? I had the payoff be that Katie killed her piece of shit boyfriend that was messing with me. And then now the cops have taken care of her and I have her soul. I'm sorry, you do not start possessing someone at eight years old just because you want to eventually kill their shitty boyfriend. I mean, I think the fact that it's possessing somebody at eight years old throws logic out the window. Like, what? Could an eight-year-old really provide you, demon? You grown as hell, boy. Go possess somebody your own age. I mean, yeah, okay, that's a logical point. <laughs> but I think just maybe knowing the way that the rest of the franchise pans out, it wants a male, it wants that son that the sister has. It no. uses Katie's body to get it. You can't think about the sequels. Okay, regardless of the sequels, it does not make sense to me that this demon would stalk you for like so long just to kill an average white man. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think it's some meaningless ending for it to just be typical like everything else and just have it throw itself at the camera. I don't know. If anything, that ending is less meaningful to me because it's like, okay, and? And then she's out there. She's a human body possessed by a demon. You're saying What that- does she want? What does the demon want? It has achieved its goal. It's in Katie's body. What yeah. does it want now? That's scary to me. No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's cool because we finally have a movie. I guess we disagree on something. I think leaving things open-ended is interesting because you don't know what's going to happen with this demon afterwards. If it's possessing her for several days, why is it just having her rock back and forth in her body till the cops show up? Because it's a demon and it's like, yeah, I'm just here to fucking wreak havoc and have fun. I'm That's not here to boring. Act- is it boring? To wait there for two days till someone Dude. discovers the body? Dude, I find it more boring to think that demons who are all powerful have this whole purpose that they need to serve about finding a baby boy. Like, dude, no. Demons are just out here to wreak havoc. They're not here to have any purpose but be like, fuck Jesus and religion. I still say that's a lot of work. That being said, what would you rate this movie? 7.5. You? No reasoning? Just a (laughs) (laughs) 7.5? I didn't find it scary this time around. I remember being creeped out the first time around, but it doesn't really ramp up until like the last few nights that are shown and i hate mika so just because amika gets a lower rating yeah so we've obviously made this movie about mika but i 
think I've only watched this two times. So I think this is my second viewing. Upon my second viewing, I think I appreciate this movie way more. Again, having watched it in high school, I was kind of just looking for the scares. I feel like it does a pretty good job of building up that tension. Again, it's just something so universal of like weird noises in your house. What if they escalated? What if it was something there? This film did ramp up this found footage style of movies that we saw a lot of from then on. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 because it's just unnerving. It's not just that it's scary. It's unnerving. All I can think of is the sound of someone running up your stairs, but you don't see anybody would freak me out to like no end. I mean, I could still see myself being like, show yourself. You don't want to catch these hands. Mm, sounds like you'd be like Mika. No, I'm just saying that if it's messing with me, I'd be like, catch these hands, but we're leaving. I will fight you, but I'm leaving. If you don't show yourself, you don't get a chance to fight me, but I'm also leaving. Stop messing with me. I'm going to fight you, but... I'm going to fight you from a different house. I'm going to fight you with Jesus. From Jesus' house. With Jesus' hands. I like how we're like, not religious until it comes to demons. That's what we're like. <laughs> Isn't that what horror has taught us? Absolutely. <laughs> but what scared Loki about this movie? He hated every single noise that happened in this film. So anything that Toby did, Loki didn't like. But he didn't give a fuck about the knocks that happened today. So Loki, make up your mind. Do you want to tell us about it? We have the worst guard dog. He's like, demons are okay. I'm cool with demons. People, mm, that's who you need to watch out for. Suspicious. At least you know that demons are just fucking with you. Humans can't be too careful. Mm, can't trust them. Thanks, Oki. I knew there was a reason you growl at everybody. He loves people. He growls at some people. Mm, he does, but for the most part. The ones that have demons in them. Or don't have demons. Those are the ones you should be suspicious of. A human without demons? What? Is that pretty much it for us here? I think so. I'm ready. I'm ready to not talk about demons anymore. It's like 1 a.m. And fuck Mika. I'm tired of my night being full of Mika. I need to cleanse myself of that negative energy. That's what the demons said. The demons said, look, Katie. We had a good thing going. We were fine for years, but like. The moment you decided to date this guy, I was like, uh-uh. I'm Katie. sorry. It's over. I'm looking out for you. Honestly. <laughs> If anything, Toby's the hero here, besides the murdering someone part. I feel like this is the <laughs> second movie where the protagonist has gotten rid of her toxic boyfriend. <laughs> Does this fall into the good for her genre? Mm, depends on what ending you saw. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You could send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon. You can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month. Listen wherever you love getting your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. Make sure to like them. Be sure to like, rate, review us. You can rate podcasts on Spotify now. So if you guys could help us out and rate us on there too it'd be a big help we're assuming and for our first ever patreon episode we're going to be covering incident in a ghost land and if you want to suggest a movie become a patreon yeah we're going to be putting up polls every month so we'll let you guys pick which movie we cover someone already suggested sinister and i think i want to cover that on a main episode just because i want to talk shit about that movie too. <laughs> a beloved movie that eric really did not like it's boring okay thanks bye bye